Uh, I want everyone to open up your Bible and uh, go ahead and take out your Bible. If you don't have uh, your paper Bible, take out your smartphone and get your Bible app out and open. Because here's what we want to accomplish. We want to accomplish that we don't ask, hey, what's your opinion about this topic? What do you all think about it? Hey, what did you hear on the news this week about it? That's not where we're going. We're going to go right to Scripture. We're going to say, is it mentioned in Scripture? What does God say about it? What's his opinion? And is there any advice or is there any teaching on how we ought to respond properly as believers? Uh, a couple things I, I want to get into here just, uh, just to set the stage for this whole series about discussing the elephant in the room. Ephesians 6.12. The Bible says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Listen, uh, as we get into this topic specifically tonight and all of these topics, I need you to know that you have an enemy and his name is Satan. And he is control of this world and he is influencing you to believe and think and go and do and behave a certain way. But we've been made new creatures in Christ, and we have new leadership, and, and we look to the Bible for what we should do and say and believe. And, and tonight, I, I want to make the point that Satan's not your, uh, Satan is your enemy, not people. The Bible says we're not wrestling each other. Many of the issues that we're going to discuss is, has to deal with your relationship with other people and how it affects how you treat one another. But you've got to remember that Satan is our enemy, not one another. It's a spiritual battle, not a physical battle. Uh, the second thing I want you to see here is that Satan is using the world system to try and shape your thinking. And we must renew our mind with the Bible. In Romans chapter 12, Paul talking to this church, he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, I'm begging you, I'm asking you, I'm pleading with you by the mercies of God. God paid for you, he died for you. He says, I beg of you, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Give yourself fully to God. Verse 2 says, and be not conformed to this world. Be not conformed. Don't let the world, through the media, through what you see on Facebook, through what you hear on Twitter, through what your friend tells you at work. Don't let the world press you into its mold and conform you. But the Bible says, But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The summer series, we want to go back to the Bible. Are you on board with that? Amen. We're excited about that. All right. So let's go ahead and we're going to transition to tonight's topic, racism and the Christian response. Let's pray before we get started. <clears throat> Father, I come to you and I just ask that you would help us during this limited time we have to take a look at what your word says. I pray you'd guide us. God, I pray that if there's sin in our hearts, I pray, God, if there's confusion in our minds, I pray, Lord, if there's something that we're believing that is contradictory to your word. I pray that you'd show us that. Shed the light on that. I pray you'd guide us tonight. 
And in every single class that's going on here this summer, starting off tonight, I pray you teach us all your word. We want to follow you and be your people. And so we pray for your help. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I want to give you a little perspective just so you know, because I, I'm somehow I got to teach this lesson tonight, okay? Uh, I want to tell you my story and my interaction with racism and where I'm coming from. And then uh, as, as we lead into this topic, you know, growing up, I had a limited understanding of racism. I really did. Uh, I was kind of sheltered from it to, to some degree. Um, what, what I knew, I, I knew that my dad had many friends that were not white. I am white. I recognize that. And it's okay to say <laughs> you are the color God made you. Amen. Um, Racism that I knew what it was was simply jokes, off-color jokes, uh, things that maybe you shouldn't say. You, you would uh, make fun of the way someone speaks or you would say something derogatory about the way someone behaves or you generalize a group of people. That's what I was, that was my limited exposure to racism. Uh, it was, it was, was very, very, uh, just wasn't a lot. Uh, my, my parents had friends that were black and other colors, and it just was normal for us. Uh, my dad always told me, he said, this is my friend Chris, and you're named after him, and he was black. And that's all I knew. I was just very naive about the whole topic in the world and the issues that faced our world. Fast forward to today, my understanding of racism has broadened. Just over one year ago, May 25th, 2020, George Floyd... A 46-year-old black man was killed by a police officer in Minneapolis. I would assume that everybody in here has heard about this. Raise your hand. This is the topic uh, that shot forward in all the news, uh, in all of the world. Since that day, since that time, I've learned a lot. We've seen a lot. We, we saw Black Lives Matter form. We were all confronted with whether or not we would champion that cause. Do you remember that season, Black Lives Matter, and the protests, and even rioting in the streets all in the name of Black Lives Matter? We, we all had decisions to make, and they were tough decisions. Uh, should I, uh, you know, if you're on social media, you were, you were pressured or, or tested or uh, even encouraged to change your profile photo to black uh, or not. You, you didn't know if you're a white person or if you're a Christian, if you should even say black lives matter, if that was even right to say, because uh, in one sense, you understand, of course, black lives matter. But on the other hand, you don't want to support an organization that would be against the church or the institution of the family. And we were confused. We don't know what to do. Uh, a lot of this has confused us and, and left us asking questions. We don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to hurt anybody. How do we respond? What do we do? Since that time, the topic of pro police brutality, I, ne I never really heard that before, never really thought about it much myself, but it has come to be part of our daily news, hasn't it? Police brutality. And, and we, we, again, are stuck in a decision point. We say, well, what do I do? Should I back the blue? Is that, is that what I should do? Should I, or, or, or should I stand with my friends that are black? And honestly, we're going to get into this. It's, it's not just a black and white issue when we say the word racism. Uh, but we didn't know what to do. Uh, should I support the cancellation of the police or should I uh, just support simply police reform? What do I do? I'm stuck. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to think. 
Now uh, I, there's something new that I've heard of recently, this thing called critical race theory. This is like the heated debate topic today in our school systems, going back to school. Should this be taught in schools? There are laws being passed in states all around. Should this be taught in school? And the question being asked is, is, is the country that we live in, uh, the word is systemically racist. Is there stuff that just in the forming of our country is racist? And are, are white people privileged? Uh, or do we have a better advantage over other people? There are all these questions now I want to ask you, and I ask you watching, have you heard about all these and it's kind of confronted you and been part of your life over the last year? Raise your hand if this has affected you at all. Listen, this is an elephant in the room. This is an issue we have got to, as God's people, know what in the world does the Bible say? How do I respond to all of this? What do I teach my children? Should I talk about this with my family or should I keep my mouth shut? Should I be silent or should I start some new club or some new group or some new cause or should I join with an organization? What do I do? So here's two questions that I'd like to answer tonight as we get into this. Number one, what does the Bible say? That's our key question. But number two is how do we respond? How do we respond? All right, let's head into what does the Bible say? Uh, I'm going to keep this simple. Listen, uh, by 8 o'clock, I'm going to be saying amen, and we're going to head over and have ice cream, okay? You have my word on that. Uh, so I'm going to move this along. But I want to give you some impactful, helpful truth from this, the Bible and uh, just talk about some things. And here's, here's what I know. This is uncomfortable. Does anybody already feel kind of uncomfortable? This is just kind of awkward sometimes, you know? Uh, you don't know. Is this something I can even say, talk about? Listen, this is the area of comfort in here. Everyone just open your mind a little bit. Let's talk and let's, let's see what God's word has to say, okay? Can we all agree to that? Amen. All right. Here are some truths. I believe tonight I have six truths to respond to racism. Six things we need to know what the Bible says. Number one, and uh, you can take notes if you want to, uh, but number one here, we are all one race, the human race. That's point number one. Acts 17, verse number 26. The, the Bible says, And hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. The Bible is clear from the very beginning that there aren't different races of humans. We, there's one. They're humankind. That's what we are. That's the kind that we are. And they're all different. I want to define some terms, terms for you in case this whole topic has been confusing. This helps me to understand, and I hope it'll help you as well. First, I want to define the term ethnicity. Ethnicity. Uh, how many of you heard the term ethnicity, right? Sometimes we think those are interchangeable. Race, ethnicity, interchangeable. Maybe, maybe not. Let's see here. Ethnicity is this. It's a grouping of people who identify with each other on the basis of shared attributes that distinguish them from other groups, such as a common set of traditions, ancestry, language, history, society, culture, nation, religion, or social treatment residing uh, within their residing area. 
Uh, and, and the key difference here, ethnicity, it's like your style, your culture, what continent you live on, what language you speak. But then there's this term called race. Uh, here's the definition of race. It's a, group of, a grouping of people based upon their physical characteristics and social qualities. Uh, this is mainly known as a man-made construct. Listen, it's when we group people because their skin color is different or because their eyes are differently shaped. We're grouping them and, and that is when we're saying there's a, this race, the Asian race or the uh, Mexican race or the Spanish race or the black race or the white race. Or you've got, you know, when you go through and fill out all those forms and they try, they make it optional, right? It's always the optional section, Caucasian, uh, Pacific Islander. Those are, those are races that are talked about. But we need to look in the Bible about these races and, and, and the, what the Bible says is that we're all of one race, the human race. When you, when you talk about this, you have to realize that all ethnic groups and nations share common ancestry. Genesis 3.20. The Bible says, And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. God, in the very beginning, created Adam and Eve, created the male and female. And they, they started this whole thing. We all have common ancestry. Back to the very beginning. We all have shared parents, Adam and Eve. And here's something to know about this common ancestry and this ethnicity. See, this ethnicity that we have, these differences, uh, the way we look and where we're from and the culture, you know, that ethnicity uniquely honors God. See, God created it that way. Uh, in Revelation 7, there's a picture of heaven described. I want you to listen to this. Revelation 7, verse 9. And after this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations, and kindreds, and people, and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. Listen, God is receiving glory in heaven from people of every nation, of every tongue, every difference that you could use to divide humankind. They're in heaven. You understand? Heaven will be diverse. Heaven will have differences in people. Heaven will not be filled with all the people just like you. God created us all for his glory, and this diversity is something that he loves. Do you realize that? He made it that way on purpose. Sometimes we say, those people, or we make comments that degrade people the way they look or the color of their skin. You have to understand that you, if you're a Christian, you better be getting ready for heaven, which is going to be full of people that aren't like you. People that speak languages that you don't speak. And if right now in your life you feel uncomfortable with that, well, then you're a little uncomfortable with what you're about to experience in heaven. Our ethnicity uniquely honors God. We're all of one race, the human race. Here's the second truth tonight. The second truth. We are all created in the image of God. We're all created in the image of God. Genesis 1 verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. 
when God created Adam and Eve and every person that was to come, they have qualities like God. They have value inherently because they were made in God's image. Psalm 139 verse 14 says, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works and that my soul knoweth right well. Listen, God sets the standard of value of people. And the way he set that standard is he made us all, every single one of us. No matter our skin color, no matter the language we speak, no matter where we're from. He made us all in his own image. That's where we get our value. And the Bible says we're all fearfully made, wonderfully made. It's called marvelous. Every person is equally worthy of love, respect, and unbiased treatment because they're made in the image of God. We all have equal value. Every person has value, no matter their color. See, what we need to realize about racism, when we degrade people uh, because of their skin color, uh, when we discriminate against people because of their ethnicity, when we treat people differently, when we marginalize them, when we uh, believe them to be inferior, it's not a matter of, oh, they're just a different race. No, it's a matter of you don't agree with God on the issue. See, this is, as I studied for this, this is probably the best thing that I, that I could take away. It was so helpful for me to remember. Racism is a sin issue, not a skin issue. Racism is a sin issue, not a skin issue. If you have anything to where you degrade somebody that looks different from you just simply because they look different from you, because their culture is different from yours, and you think you are better, you are not following God. You understand? Because we're all created in the image of God. Any belief that you hold or treatment that you have where you devalue human life is on the opposite side of God and is sin. See, racism is an issue that calls for repentance. It's not enough just to maintain it in your heart and stop participating in the jokes. It's something that is a heart issue that needs to be confessed to the Lord. It's not to be accepted in any Christian home, gathering, or church. In Philippians chapter 2, the attitude we have toward any person, no matter who they are, is very clear. I'm going to read this to you. It's on the screen. Philippians 2 verse 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. The idea says, you're not to puff yourself up. You're not to consider yourself more important, but you're supposed to look at other people and consider them better than yourself. Verse number four says, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. See, if you are a follower of Jesus, do you know what that means? It means you follow his example. That's what that means. I don't care what situation you're in. I don't care if you're at the gas station, if you're at work, if you're in a different country. 
if you're down the street, if you're uh, what used to be referred to the other side of the tracks, if you're following Christ, we don't live by those standards. We don't live by those rules. We treat others the way we would want to be treated. We treat others, we esteem them better than ourselves. We look out for their interest. That's what we do. That's because Christ did that. We never belittle others. Every person is a human being in God's image, and they ought to be cared for in that way. Um, there was a man named Jackie Robinson. You ever heard of him? He was the first black Major League Baseball player. I did not know that before doing this. I probably dated myself. Some of you are like, you should know that. Well, you're older than I am, okay? Uh, so that's why you know that, and I don't know that. Uh, he's, he, he had this quote he is well known for. He said, I'm not concerned with your liking or disliking me. All I ask is that you respect me as a human being. Listen, God is no respecter of persons. Uh, in James chapter 2, uh, describes treating somebody that comes into the church meeting uh, differently based upon whether they have money or they look differently. Maybe you give some people preferential treatment because they're like you or they, maybe it'll benefit you favor, favorably to be around them. Uh, the Bible says to people that show favoritism to people, it says, are you not then partial in yourselves and become judges of evil thoughts? Thoughts like that are evil. Anytime that you look at somebody different from you and say, I probably won't speak to them, I probably don't want to be around them, and you generalize them and say, they're probably going to be like this because of a past experience you have with someone else, that's giving preferential treatment. That's respecting somebody better than others. We don't do that. We treat everybody equally. Uh, we treat everybody as if they have value because they do, because they're made in the image of God. All right, truth number three. Let me see. Oh, I'm on time. Good. Number three, we are to love our neighbor. We are to love our neighbor. Luke 10, 27. Oh, we love this passage. And he said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind. Can, can I get an amen to that? We love God with all that we have. That's the first in the great commandment. The second command is like unto it. Says in, and thy neighbor as thyself. You love your neighbor as yourself. Listen, followers of Christ love everyone as our neighbor. Well, it came in the Bible that somebody asked the question, well, who's my neighbor? And Jesus tells this story and he addresses the issue of race. Did you know that? He talks about uh, the story of the good Samaritan. Calling a Samaritan good coming from the mouth of a Jewish person would be crazy. The Jews hated the Samaritans. They're not good. There's nothing good about them. They're dogs. They're less than us. They're, they're worse than us. Well, he said that there was this injured man, and he was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among thieves, and he was jumped and beaten, left for dead. And this, this priest came by, this good, good old priest, right? He came by. He saw the man uh, having, having difficulty, and he passed by and did nothing. And then a Levite came by. Those are good guys, right? The Levites. I looked at the guy on the side of the road hurting and passed on by. And then a Samaritan came by. Well, Samaritans, they're no good. They're not supposed to do anything right. Samaritan came by. The Bible says the Samaritan bound up his wounds, took care of him, put him up in a hotel and paid his way. 
And the, the moral of the story is, and the way the Samaritan helped that person, well, so you should help every other person. Who's your neighbor? Well, it's anybody that needs help. It's anybody in the world. Everybody is our neighbor. Listen, we talked about how we don't have to buy into the, what the world is feeding us. And the world is feeding us an us versus them culture. Let me describe this. In, in this passage, it was talking about the Jews or the Samaritans. Which one are you? Pick sides. In today's world, it's either Republican or Democrat. Which side are you on? Black or white? For or against the police? CNN or Fox? Trump or Biden? One side or the other, and the world says, you've got to pick one. Pick one of those sides. You know, as followers of Christ, we're not going to let the world conform us to what they want us to do or believe. We don't have to pick sides. We don't have to do that. There's a third option. Option number three is this. Love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. Don't be pressed into the mold. Get rid of the us versus them language. Just because somebody in this room may be a Democrat and you're not a Democrat doesn't mean you have to be against them. You can't love them. That's the whole point of the Holy Spirit coming inside of you to supernaturally allow you to love people you wouldn't normally love. We're following Christ here. We're not following the world. You see, what we do is we, we end up labeling people. We say those people or we give them a different name. Uh, we put them in a category. But when you label someone anything else, then what God labels them, you give yourself permission to treat them less than God would want you to treat them. See, you need to take those people that are different than you and you need to call them your neighbor. That's my neighbor. Who's your neighbor? Who's your neighbor? The Bible says we should love our neighbors. Here's truth number four. Truth number four. God desires all people to be saved. God desires all people to be saved. Then Acts uh, chapter 1 verse 8, he says, But ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. How many of you in here believe Jesus gave us this command to reach our community with the gospel message? Anyone agree with that? Yes, he has. He says, first start in Jerusalem, your hometown, then go to Judea, and in Samaria. Whoa, Samaria too. Yeah, the people that aren't like us, go there too. And unto the uttermost part of the earth. God wants everyone to be saved. Matthew 28, uh, we love this passage. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. You mean I'm supposed to leave where I am and love everybody and share the gospel with them? Yes, you are. All nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. See, God desires all people to be saved. And if we believe that as Christians, that means if Jesus died for all, we should love and embrace all. But sometimes this hatred, this sin in our hearts, the way, the way we degrade people and devalue them is a hindrance to what God wants us to do, is a hindrance to the gospel. See, we're all equal at the cross. We all are sinful. We all need the shed blood of Christ. You understand? He died for all of us. 
Jesus didn't like white people any more than he liked black people or Asian people. Or any. Aren't you glad that it wasn't just for the Jews, but it, he said go for the Gentiles as well? Jesus loved all people. The gospel is a message for everybody. We don't discriminate against anybody. Racism is an obstacle to the mission of Christ. I learned about something, and I will tell you, I am not a scholar on this issue, but I learned about something. Have you ever heard of the term redlining? Raise your hand if you've heard the term redlining. Okay, some of you have never heard this term redlining. Let me, let me describe it to you and tell you about it, and I'll show you what it was. Redlining is a practice of banks and lending organizations in the 50s, 60s, 70s, even the 80s, where they would choose to either lend or maybe to, not to lend, or they would raise prices in certain areas because of the people that lived in those areas. It was racism or discrimination, but it was very corporate. You understand? What they would do is they would draw a red line on the map. They would, they would outline an area in red, and they would say, you know what? This area is not going to bring us money. This area is going to go downhill because of those people in that area. So it would be red. It'd be kind of, uh, if you give it a grade A, B, C, D, you'd get the D area. You got the area that, listen, these people don't have the same access to what people in the other areas do. I want to show you a couple pictures, uh, what, it, what it looked like. These are some maps from different lending organizations uh, about uh, the red line. You see some areas. This is exactly what they did is they would map out an area and they say those areas get different prices than the other areas. This is a form of racism. This is a form of discrimination. You understand? This is where you say, you know what? Those people, in those, I'm going to treat them different just because of whatever qualities about them that they deem, you know, just because. I'm going to treat them differently. Did you know churches redline? Churches do that sometimes. We say, you know what? We're not going into those neighborhoods. Maybe you redline. Um, I don't think I'm going into that neighborhood. Hey, kids, avoid that neighborhood. Hey, don't talk to that person well, why? Have you met that person? Do you know that person? Is it just because you're generalizing that person? Maybe because they're black or otherwise because they look different from you? And maybe, maybe we get these sweeping generalizations where we say, uh, oh, I'm, there was a criminal I heard about on the news. He was big, tall, and black. And so this other big, tall, black person must be a criminal. That is a world mindset that we need to fight and we need to renew our minds about. We love all people. We should be open to conversations with all people because we try to love and share the gospel with all people. You follow me? Churches redline. White churches don't go into the black neighborhoods. The black churches don't go into the white neighborhoods. The fact that we have white churches and black churches is evidence of this whole concept. Heaven is not going to be all one color and neither should the church. Um, in the book, Autopsy of a Deceased Church, this is a, a book, uh, author Tom Rayner, he studied 100 churches, I believe it was 100 churches, and that, that closed their doors. They, they shut down, they were no longer able to exist. 
And he writes this book called The Autopsy of a Deceased Church where he interviewed people at those churches and kind of investigated why did those churches close? Like, was there anything common among those churches of why they closed down? And um, uh, one of the points of this book of The Autopsy of a Deceased Church is the point that the church was refusing to look like the community. And he, he cited some examples of what, is, what he meant by that. Um, and he cited a church that when they do reach out, they ask the community to come to them rather than going to the community. They, they talked about a church, uh, the, idea that, the, the idea is that if you, if you live in an area that's predominantly black or Asian or whatever, and you don't have any of those people in your church, you're headed for trouble. You you're, you're have a quality that's similar to churches that are dying. He defined it, he says, the church becomes a fortress keeping people and possessions on the inside safe while keeping people on the other side out. Uh, he describes churches that stop reaching and caring for the community. And I just, this is a perfect opportunity to discuss this. Um, one of the reasons we started the GO team is to combat this very issue in our own church. Uh, our, our church ought to look like heaven. Our church ought to look like heaven. We ought to embrace it. We ought to enjoy it. Listen, uh, there are streets in our neighborhood that we've just never been on in a long time. You know, as our bus ministry has kind of dwindled over the year just because of the format of the ministry and different things and these times that we live in, uh, that doesn't, just because maybe that's not the method, doesn't give us an option to say, oh, we're not going to reach out to our neighbors. Uh, oh, oh, you know what? We're, we're a lot like people in Canal Winchester. Let's just go there. Let's just go there and meet those people. No, no, no. Uh, when, we, when we formed our GO teams, we prayed about it. We talked it over with Pastor Tony. We met and we, we prayed. Uh, we have this map, and Richard, if you have that. Uh, this area is where we've decided to target uh, for this year and most of next year as well. This is the Blacklick Estates community. These are our neighbors. This is our Jerusalem. Listen, uh, I'm just telling you, uh, as, as a point of a response to this message, you just better be welcoming and open arms to people that come in here because we're going out after them. And I, I'm asking you to join us in that effort. When you hear about Go Teams events, when you hear about things, listen, the gospel is for everyone. And it may be a little uncomfortable when you say, I've never been in that part of town before. Uh, well, let's go in that part of town. And those are going to be our friends. And, uh, and it, leads, it leads me to um, point number five. Uh, this truth that I have here. I only have five truths. Actually, I said six. Uh, we have five truths. And the truth is this in the Bible. It says we can be brothers and sisters through Christ. That's what the Bible teaches. Galatians 3, verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. The world and the devil try all day in every newscast and every new organization form to divide us on every issue. They try to divide us, but there's another option to consider what unites us. And through Christ, the Bible says people of different races, people of different nationalities, we're brothers and sisters. We're family. That is a value we hold dear to here. We are family with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Listen, some of you are weird and you watch NASCAR round and around and around. I don't like that kind of thing. But we can be brothers and sisters in Christ 
because of what Jesus did for us. That's our common bond. We don't come here and try to talk about and try to figure out all the things that make us different. You are different. You like different things. You look different. Some of you have big noses. Some of you don't. We've got all different shapes and sizes of people, colors of people. And the thing is, God made it that way on purpose. You're made in his image. You're made fearfully. And we got to embrace that. We got to, this is the family of God looks this way. And that is the way we ought to embrace it as well. Through Christ, we can be united. The world will tell you all day long why you should be divided. Why you should not like this person. We do not march to the beat of that drum. We follow Christ. And that's where we're at on the topic. We can be brothers and sisters through Jesus Christ. Uh, I've got uh, one uh, simple illustration I want to show you uh, to wrap this up. And then we're going to go eat. Um, I've got a bag of chip, potato chips, right? Uh, this is an unopened bag of potato chips. Can you all see this here? What, what do you all see? Just tell me what you see on this bag. Shout it out. Lay's. Lays. Everyone see Lay's? Everyone see that? Raise your hand if you see Lay's. See Lay's? Uh, I don't see Lay's. I see um, potatoes, vegetable oil, uh, canola, corn. I see um, no artificial flavors, no preservatives, no MSG. I don't, I don't see Lay's. Listen, this is just a simple illustration. You know why, why I don't see Lay's? I'm not looking at it from that side of the bag. You understand? Here's what I want to ask you to do. In the spirit of esteeming others better than yourself and loving others as your neighbor, sometimes we just need to, even though we're all looking at the same bag of chips, we just need to walk around the bag of chips and look at it from somebody else's point of view. That's all I'm asking you to do is walk around the chips. Uh, some of you want to open these chips and eat these chips, but as illustration's sake, listen, we need to consider one another. We are brothers and sisters, and there are more members of the family that need to be found. And uh, this issue of racism, it's not a biblical thing. It's a sin issue. You treat anybody for any reason wrongly. You discriminate against them. You tear them down. You call them names. We don't do that here. Uh, and if you like to do that, you need to repent of that. And maybe this isn't the place for you to do that because we don't do that here. 